0: We're doing a series called David in 3D and talking about covering like all of who David is. And today I really want to talk to you about David's purpose and understanding his purpose and how we too are called to be people of purpose. Um, It's cool because Ira set up the message perfectly. If you didn't hear the message from last week, uh, you can go on our website. It's theadventure.church. And you can go to the media tab, and you can see either the videos or the podcast. The podcasts upload immediately, so you can pretty much hear them the same day. But he did this whole message that kind of set this whole thing up. Um, so I want to ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever walked into a room and felt like, wow, I do not fit in here? Anybody? Anybody? Maybe if you're a guest here, you're thinking that right now. <laughs> right now. Um, have you ever uh, left a social setting and just gone, ugh, what, what did, why did I act like that? Why am I like this? Why am I the way that I am? Anybody? Is that just me? <laughs> um, have you ever ever felt like you were just different than other people? Anybody ever felt like you're just different? Do you know the reason for that? Because you are. Turn to the person next to you and say, There is no one like you. You know, we're created in the image of God, and and we just sang that song, There is none like you, there's no one like you. And it's the same thing for those of us, which includes everyone. We are all created in the image of God, and we're all unique. We're all different. There's no one else just like you in the world. And that is a fantastic thing. And in addition to to being unique, you also have a unique purpose and calling. God created you for something way beyond yourself. And the sooner that we discover what the purpose for which we were created is, the sooner we will find our satisfaction and our fulfillment in life. I can guarantee you, no matter what you go through, no matter what hard times you go through, if you know who you are, if you, if you lose your life for the sake of the kingdom of God, you can you can be content. You can be satisfied in him. You know, Jesus even said that. if you, If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will surely find it. And so we're going to be talking about that today. God created... You, for purpose. Every one of you. And and it says of David in Acts 13, 36, it says, For David, after he had served the purposes of God in his own generation, fell asleep. Which means that he died. That's the way they say it. He, David, after he had fulfilled his purposes, the purposes of God, the reason that he was created... In his own generation, he fell asleep. I, I was reminded of this scripture. Uh, Friday night, I went to a little event, and there was a, an elderly pastor's wife there, and her daughter had passed away unexpectedly in her early 40s. And this woman said this was the passage that gave her so much comfort because she realized that her daughter had fulfilled her purposes, even though she, what, what we would have thought was an early death this woman said she found so much comfort and peace in knowing that that was the purpose, that her daughter, she had fulfilled her purposes. And, you know, we see people on a regular basis, do we not, who are not fulfilling their purpose in life. You know, we, you can see people all the time, and you're just thinking, that person was created for so much more. You know, and sometimes it's kind of, it's kind of tragic. And I think about... Um, I had a friend who was a veteran and when he came back from Afghanistan, he said, you know, when I was there, I was, I was so convinced of my purpose. I knew exactly why I was there. Every single morning when I woke up, I knew exactly what I was doing. He said, but now that I'm back in civilization, he said, I, I struggle to find my purpose. I struggle to know what I was created to do. And he really was working through this whole process. And I guess that's a really common thing for, for veterans. When they come back, there's not a sense of purpose. I've even talked to LDS missionaries and they say the same thing. They say that when they get back from their mission, they're just like, I feel so purposeless because you know, when you're on task and you know exactly what you're called to do, it's, it's actually proven scientifically that people who understand who they are and really understand their purpose, they live longer. They tend to be happier. They get along better or they get along well with other people. They tend to make more money. I mean, there's all kinds of health advantages. I mean, who doesn't want to live longer? Right? Who doesn't want to be happier? Who doesn't want to get along with people? Who doesn't want to make more money? Anybody? Anybody's like, nah, I've got way too much. <laughs> I can help you out with that. I can make some suggestions. But if we understand the purpose for which we were created, we will be at peace and we can be fully content in our lives. And that's, that's exactly what God wants for us. That's his goal and his desire. So we're going to talk today about knowing yourself, knowing your season, knowing what the Spirit is doing, and knowing how to be sanctified. We're going to talk about the process of sanctification. So the first thing is knowing yourself. Um, I know once in a while I'll share a little bit about my story. Um, I, I feel like I want to say that because I, I, I know that God has done so much in my life and, and changed me so dramatically that I, I really hope that my life is a reflection of his redeeming power and of his grace and his forgiveness, so I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. And uh, and when I, uh, I, I I say that I became a Christian on the installment plan, I had you know several different installments along the way. Starting with when I was eleven years old, I went to a Bible camp, and then when I was fourteen, I went to a Billy Graham crusade, and when I was sixteen, I went to another event. And all along the way, I I never had anybody really mentoring me. I didn't have anybody pouring into me or speaking into my life. And so I tended to just kind of go back to what I knew, which was confusion. And, and that's one reason why we do the community groups is so you can walk with other people that can kind of help you discover who you are and, and what God has called you to do. But consequently, um, I, I was very confused, and when I got to college, I, I just kind of went off the deep end, and I became extremely wild. Um, started partying really hard, and um, did a lot of drugs, and dealt drugs, and had an eating disorder, and um, I was very broken, very, very broken, very promiscuous. Um, I became a kleptomaniac, and a compulsive liar, and I just was a wreck. But on the outside, I looked like I had it all together, but that was all part of the show, you know, part of the act. Because I was so concerned that if people really knew me, they really knew who I was, they would reject me. And so I just continued to act like I was, I had it all together. But on the inside, I was so broken and so confused. And I didn't know who I was. Um, so I traveled with a, a choir and... Uh, With three concerts to go, I ended up getting meningitis, and I I was hospitalized in Norway, and I I was in a coma for 36 hours. And as I was laying in my deathbed, I remember, I knew I was dying, and I said, Lord, if you're real, I will serve you. If you let me live, I will serve you. But then I got distracted um, in the form of a man named Sven from Sweden, and so I just kind of, you know, forgot about the prayer, whatever. And I ended up moving out to California and moved to the Bay Area. And I still was so broken and so confused. And I didn't know who I was. And so then Sven ended up going back to um, finish his master's. and, And I was just left with just this emptiness. So... Um, I decided to save a bunch of money, and then I got what's called a Eurail Pass, which is a pass where you can get on a train and just kind of get on and off the train and and travel around Europe. And I was going to look for the meaning of life. And so while I was there, I was still very wild, and um, and yet every single Sunday, I was in church. I was smoking so much hash and doing all kinds of drugs, but every Sunday I was in church. Usually it was like a Catholic church, and usually it was in a language that I didn't understand, but there was something within me that was just yearning, I think. The Lord was, was trying to woo me. Was, the Lord was drawing me to himself. And it wasn't until after nine months of you know traveling, I ended up coming back to the Bay Area, and I got on my knees and I just said, Jesus, I think you're the meaning of life. And he revealed himself to me, and he revealed to me that he died for me on the cross. And I really knew that I was forgiven, and I really received his grace for the first time ever. And, and, and then I um, ended up later, I met uh, some people and started going to the church down in Santa Cruz. I started working at a Christian bookstore, and then we planted the church, and then I met Eric, who um, became my husband, and I I ended up leading him to Christ. And um, we were in the Bay Area for 12 years, and then we planted the church out here in the year 2000. And and then Eric went to be with the Lord two and a half years ago. And so um, here I am. And uh, so I'm just honoring the call that God has put in my life, and I'm so grateful for my relationship with the Lord. And I'm so grateful that even in the midst of that storm, even in the midst of that trial and that dark, dark season of my life, I still knew that I had an anchor that held me. And I'm so grateful that I had found myself in Christ because I I knew who I was was created to be. And I knew what I was called to do. And I think that is the biggest testimony of God's faithfulness, is that he has continued to bless me. He has continued to show me his, his kindness and his grace. And that's really what God's all about. You know, I think God gets such a bad rap because people think he's, you know, like, you know, I, I had several people just tell me that they thought that it was really rude that God let my husband die you know like they thought it was a really horrible thing and to be honest i mean i that's not what i would have wanted but i trust the lord and and i know for each one of you too it's like we don't always understand what the season of life that we're going through but when we know who we are it's like we can we can continue to move ahead and <clears throat> excuse me, and David, after he had heard this promise about how, how God was going to bless him, you know, David knew himself. I mean, he started out as a little shepherd boy, and he, and he went through all of these things, and he recognized his own sinfulness. He recognized how great God was, and that was really what his focus was. And so after he got this great promise, it says in 2 Samuel 17, who am I? Oh, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you've brought me this far? And then he says in verse 20, what more can I say? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. And this is a part that I just love because here he's saying, you know who I really am. You you get me, like you know everything about me and yet it says, because of your promise, And according to your will, you've done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. And that is his promise for you. That is his promise for you. Because of his promise and according to his will, he wants to show you who you are. He wants to show you why he created you. And he wants to demonstrate to you what the purpose is for your life. And it says in verse 25, And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Can we just pray that prayer together right now? And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you promised concerning me and my family. And later in verse 29, it says, And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you, for you have spoken. And when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. And that's the promise. God has that same promise for us, is that we can have eternal life. Not just after we die and go to heaven, which sounds really good. I mean, anybody else? I'm just like... I'm ready. I want to go. I want to go see Jesus face to face. But it's an eternal blessing. But as we understand our purpose and as we lose our own agenda and lose our selfishness and and take on the purpose for which God has created us, that is when eternal life begins. It can, you can be living eternal life right now. It's not just about the afterlife. So what prevents us from becoming who we fully are, becoming ourselves, being free. I think one of the main things that prevents us from becoming ourselves is when we compare ourselves with others. You know, there is nothing good about comparison. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not what? What? They are not wise. It is not wise to compare yourself with anybody else because there is no one like you. There is no other just like you. So what tends to happen when we compare ourselves, we do one of two things. Either we get really prideful because we're like, wow, I am so much better than that person. Or we become insecure because we're like, wow, they are so much better than me. So either way, comparing cannot lead to anything beneficial. Unless, there's one exception, and that's when, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But it's not comparing yourself and your gifts and, and who you're created to be and your calling and all of that. As you, as you compare yourself with other people, it's not wise. Um, another thing that, that keeps us from really fully becoming free in, in our calling is doubt. You know, I know I know in, the, in here there are some of you and you're thinking, well, I know, I know God has a call on everybody else's life, but I don't think he really has a call on my life. That is a lie. God has a call on your life. He has called you for greater purpose. Another thing which kind of goes hand in hand with doubt is insecurity. Just feeling like I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm just, I'm not. I'm not skilled in anything. I don't have any talents. I don't have any gifts. I'm not very smart. I'm not this and that. All of that is, is coming from the enemy of your souls. Because the Lord says you're precious and honored in his sight. It says that he loves you. That's what it's all about. It's about his love. Another thing that keeps us is, is feelings of unworthiness. Either because of, of our former lifestyle or... Our sinfulness or just knowing who we are, we just don't even feel worthy to be used of God. Another thing is shame or control. Let me back it up. Control. That's a huge one. You're afraid that if I, if I give my whole life to the Lord, I'm going to lose control. Uh, spoiler alert, you already don't have control. So, <laughs> Really, I mean, control is an illusion, right? The only thing we can control is our own attitude. Really. That's about all you can control. You can't control other people, just wives, just so you know that. (laughs) That's why the Bible says don't nag because you're not going to change anybody. You can't change another person. You can't control another person. You can't control your circumstances. I used to work for a guy who, who was an atheist and he used to say, oh yeah, whatever happens to you is what you willed. And I'm like, seriously? I go, so if you're, he owned a piano store. He, I said, so if your piano store burnt down, that's because you willed that to happen. And suddenly it didn't seem so logical anymore. <laughs> but we don't have control, really. You don't really have much control. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, those poor people in California, either in that, in that bar where that shooting happened in Thousand Oaks or with those fires, I mean, we don't have any control. The only control we have is how we are going to face our life and our circumstances. But every single one of us has gifts. And it says in Ephesians 4, it says, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, build up the church the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is my desire for you. I've been walking um, and just praying for you. Praying for my adventure family. You know, we've been through a hard couple of years as a, as a church, And yet God, he still wants to continue to show us what he's done, why he still has work for us to do in this state, in this city, in this valley. And and that's why I've just been praying, Lord, help me to equip the saints to do the works of the ministry, because that's what pastors and teachers are really, that's what leaders are supposed to do, is raise other people up and that was always that has always been the passion of this church. I mean that that is something that Eric put within or God put within both Eric and I is to is to see other people become fully who they were created to be. I mean this that's why I talk about this all the time is because it's so important. One of our dreams is to help you discover your dreams, to be the wind in your sails to help you discover who you were created to be. And that's really the only time you'll find your fulfillment and your satisfaction. So another thing that's really important for us to understand, besides understanding who we are, what our gifts are, and what we were created to do, it's also important for us to understand what season of life we're in. Because, you know, you might be gifted to do certain things, but it might not be your season. And I'm not saying this to give you an excuse to just not do anything. I'm saying it can be your season of... Okay, I'm going to talk to the singles first, okay? If you're single, don't be so consumed with getting married, okay? Especially if you're under 12. <laughs> no, there's a lot of pressure. But seriously, if you're single, a little bit over a year ago... Um, I was reading the passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 7, and it, it's ta- and it talks about being single and how s- being single is really actually an advantage because you're not distracted. And I, I remember reading that, and it specifically was talking about widows, and, and I just realized my widowhood is a gift. And I just, I, I heard the Holy Spirit say, your widowhood is a gift, embrace it. And something just switched in me. And I just went, I am going to go full bore. Not that I wasn't passionate before, but it's like, you know, when you go through something like that, something that traumatic or tragic, it really puts things into perspective. And it just makes me see, I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, why did I waste so much time doing stuff that didn't matter? Are you with me? Do you want to live a life of intensity and purpose? Or do you just kind of want to go home and play Minecraft? (laughs) Or binge watch Netflix? I mean, not that I don't binge watch Netflix. I mean, but I'm just saying, it's like, don't you want to have a life of, of, of actual real purpose? But the season of your life, if you're single you have the opportunity to lose your life for the sake of the kingdom of God without distractions, to just give yourself fully to that. And another spoiler alert, if you are single and you think that, oh, if I get married, then I'll be fulfilled. ah, False. You will never be fulfilled by another human being. I mean, maybe for a couple of months, you'll feel like you are. But that is not what marriage is about. Marriage, Christian marriage, is to glorify God and to reflect Christ. So if you are married, I want to say this, that is your first ministry. So pray for your spouse every single day if you're married, because you might be the only person on the face of the earth that prays for your spouse daily. Realistically. Maybe their mom, I don't know. But pray for your spouse. That's your first ministry. And pray blessings on them. Let God deal with the whole discipline thing because God won't, pl- won't bless us apart from obedience. So, um, If you are married and you have little kids, that's a totally different season of life, right? It can be really stressful and it can be really distracting to have little kids. And sometimes you just feel like, you know what, I don't have anything else to give. I can't, I have nothing. But I think it's really significant and important for parents of young children, for their children to see them serving other people, because otherwise your children grow up kind of entitled. I think it's really good to bring your kids alongside you, let them see you serving. You know, go serve the homeless, come and do Jesus feeds, come and clean. I mean, look at that Smith family. Aren't they amazing? I mean, that's so, yeah, I know, it's awesome. That's, I mean, that's just so incredible. They're bringing their kids alongside and it's just, it's so cool. We used to do that with our kids when they were little. You know, we'd take them to the rescue mission and, you know, we'd get 200 turkeys or whatever and the kids would come and help us and it was just, it was so powerful. Um, if you're an empty nester, Ira talked about last week about mentoring somebody. If you're If you're empty nesters, adopt a... A young couple or adopt a young single person have them over for dinner talk to them about the lord talk to them about the things that you know or the things that the lord has shown you lose your life for someone else and if you're struggling right now you're you're living for yourself and maybe you're mad at god i mean maybe you're wrestling maybe you don't even know god um i just encourage you you know god is good God is so faithful and he's so good and he wants to reveal himself to you. So the next thing that we have to do is we have to know what the spirit of God is saying to us. And you cannot know what the spirit of God is saying unless you really know his word. Because otherwise, if you rely on your emotions, you're going to probably be deceived. You're going to go astray. If we understand and know God's word. And I just want to give a little uh, a little aside on this. So, so you know when you have your devotions or your quiet time or whatever you want to call it your time with the Lord do it in such a way that you enjoy it you know have a relationship with the Lord you know i i prefer to put in my earbuds cuz i'm an auditory learner and i like to walk and listen to the word of god do something that is you with you and god Okay, don't get into this legalistic rut where you have to do it this certain way and you have to get through this many chapters or whatever, unless that's the kind of personality you have. And if it is, then God bless you. And just understand who you are, but just enjoy your time with the Lord because you're not going to do it if you don't enjoy it, right? But but start to read God's word. And if you're a new Christian or a non-Christian, start to read the book of John. I think that's a really good place to start. John, is, he describes himself as the disciple Jesus loved. It was like his, his homie. You know, get to know the book of John and the Psalms and the Proverbs. Um, but know what the Spirit of God is saying. Know yourself, know the season that you're in, and, and know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Because he wants to speak to us. He really does. He wants to communicate with us. You can't have a relationship with someone who doesn't communicate with you, right? Isn't that kind of illogical? Oh, well, God's the strong, silent type. (laughs) No, (laughs) even though he is. But he's not silent. But he is the strong type. Galatians 5.13 says, You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Woo! Good news, yeah? You've been called to live in freedom. It says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Okay? Okay. Don't satisfy your sinful nature. It says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 25, it says, since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Do you want to do that? Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. You know, I think it's so easy to have a divided heart sometimes. Sometimes. You know, there are certain areas where maybe we don't want to give things up or we're just lazy. You know, we're just like, eh, I don't know. You know, but you don't know. You're not promised tomorrow. You don't know what your future holds. It's like lose your life for the sake of the kingdom of God and then when you stand before God, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Don't you want that? that's what I want. That's my goal. Life goals, hashtag life goals. Um, But we're called to be sanctified. And the word sanctified comes from the same root as the word um, sanctus, which means holy. To be sanctified means to be set apart for the purpose for which we were created. That's really, we're called to be sanctified. And to me, that means that Understand who you are, understand your spiritual gifts and understand who God has called you to be and understand what the season of your life is. And if you want to understand spiritual gifts, I just want to urge you, if you've taken a spiritual gifts test, a lot of times those uh, spiritual gifts tests will tell you more what you've done historically than necessarily who you are. So I want to just give you an assignment today Um, for your spiritual gifts if you want to write this down, there are four sections in the Bible that talk about your spiritual gifts. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what your spiritual gifts are. Say, Lord, I want to know who I am in you. I want you to speak to me about who I am. It's, um, the first one is 1 Corinthians 12, then Romans 12. That makes it easy. So 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4. So that makes it kind of easy. But, but read those sections and say, Lord, show me. Show me who you created me to be. So 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And, and it talks about how God created us, but even so, We're still, you can't be put in a little box. You are unique. And you're going to have a different blend of the spiritual gifts and different history and different propensities and different personality and all of that. But ask the Lord to show you who he created you to be. Um, I'm going to give you a little little visual example um, about being sanctified. So... I'm going to place some items on this table. Hammer. Oh, that might not. Okay. So these are common, everyday items, right? These represent just some different... Types of personalities, perhaps. There are some who, you know, you're the type of person that you have a lot to offer people. You can you can kind of quench people's thirst, so to speak. Or you are generous, or you provide for other people, right? So, have a mug that says, be kind today. Okay? Some of you are like a, like a, a tissue. You know, you are there to wipe people's eyes when they cry or to just kind of be there. You have mercy. You have compassion. Some of you are a little more prophetic (laughs) and you like to hammer things home. You like to make your point, right? Some of you, excuse me, are kind of like spoons. You just like to stir stuff up, right? Right? So now what happens if we take these everyday items and we use them in a way that they're not supposed to be used. What happens? Okay, so let's say you're a tissue, um, but you're functioning as a spoon. I mean, it's hard to wipe somebody's tears. Or <laughs> you, know, you know, that spoon's not made for that, right? <clears throat> or um, let's say that you're a hammer, but can't really stir stuff up, right? Or wipe away people's tears, right? Okay, now let's say also, let's say, let's say that um, you're a tissue, right? But you're going to try to hammer in a nail. That is not going to work, right? This is probably a little closer. Spoon, I mean, you're really desperate. You could try to hammer something in. I'm not even going to do my cup my mug cuz I like it too much. But what's the only thing that can be used for the purpose for which it was created? To put a nail into a board. This, a hammer. That is what is called being sanctified. When it is is used for the purpose for which it was created. And in the same way, the Lord has created each and every one of us with a specific purpose, and he wants us to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be used for the purpose for which we were created. Whether we are to measure or stir or provide for others or show mercy or to tell them the truth. We're all created to be sanctified for that. So if you wouldn't mind standing up, I would like us to pray a prayer of blessing over each other. It's going to be up on the screen. Um, This is actually... I've I've really been praying this specific prayer over you guys. I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about how to motivate people. And one of the things that they talked about was, when when you motivate people, what is your purpose? Or what is your desire in motivating them? To get something out of it yourself? Do you use shame? And do you use guilt? Or do you use encouragement? And I hope, my hope and my desire is that I always would use encouragement, that I would never shame you into anything. So even when I say this about you being used for the purpose for which God created you, it's only for the sole purpose of you being fulfilled and satisfied in your life so that no matter what storms hit, no matter what you go through, you can have peace and fulfillment and satisfaction so we're going to go to, first, or to Colossians chapter 1. Would you just put your hand on the shoulders of the people next to you? We're going to pray this blessing on one another. We're going to read this together. <clears throat> okay, you ready? Yeah, you can go across the aisle if you want. Okay, let's read it together. Ready? Go. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray... Okay, here we go. <laughs> and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Isn't that an awesome prayer to pray over someone? Yeah, pray this over each other. Pray this over your kids. Pray this over your mate. Pray this over your family and your friends. That this prayer would would be the reality. I mean, and this is what I've been praying so much for you. For our adventure family, for our adventure church is that you would be completely free to be who you were called to be for the glory of God and for no other purpose so i want to ask you do you know who you are do you know who you are do you know what your life purpose is do you know what you were called to do beyond a shadow of a doubt do you understand what God's purpose is for your life I mean, maybe you don't even know God. Maybe you've never even met him. You can do that today. We'll provide an opportunity for you to do that. But if you're wondering who you were called to be or, or what season of life you're in, you know, you might be in, you know, winter winter. Is, is a time of like barrenness. You know, if, if you know the Lord or you've known the Lord for any length of time, there's those seasons where you're like, I don't hear his voice right now. I just feel like I'm, like, there's just nothing happening. Continue to persevere through that and then you'll come into spring. Spring is a time to till up the soil and plant and prepare. And, and then summer is a time of waiting. And then fall is Harvest. Woohoo! But that's only 25% of the time. The rest of the time is usually, you know, barrenness or working or waiting. But then celebrating comes when we've done those other things. But whatever season of life you're in, know what the Lord's will is for your life and give yourself fully to him. And understand what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now? What is the Holy Spirit calling me to do? Is there an area where I feel like the Lord is calling me to kind of stretch or maybe lose my life a little bit more? He's going to meet you. He's going to meet you in that place so that you can understand no matter what season you're going through. I think I forgot to read. Oh, I did. I forgot to read this passage out of... um, ecclesiastes 3 it says for everything there's a season and a time for every activity under heaven yet god has made everything beautiful in its own time he has planted eternity in the human heart but even so and this is the thing people cannot see the whole scope of god's work from beginning to end and that's what God is calling us to, is to press into him so that we can see his hand at work, even when we're going through hardships, or even when we're in a season where we're, we don't know what's going on or what we're called to. He is faithful. We sang that. He is so faithful. And I think that song, Do It Again, I think that's a prophetic song for this church right now. We've seen him move. He's moved mountains. We're going to see him do it again. Amen. So let's pray together. Can you hold your hands out? There's a symbol that you want to receive what God has for you, Lord. We come before you and we are so grateful for your goodness. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are a God of faithfulness, that you are without injustice, that you are good and upright. Lord, we thank you for your gifts. We thank you that you have created each and every one of us for purpose you have called each and every one of us to lose our lives for your sake and so lord i ask in the name of jesus that you would begin to to really define us or for some of us redefine us according to the season of life that we're in but lord you would speak to us and speak to us through the bible lord so that we could understand not only you and how great you are but also who we are in you as we lose our lives For the sake of your kingdom, we ask that you would pour out your spirit. I pray for the Adventure Church, for these people that I love so much. God, I pray, pour out your spirit. Give revelation to people. Let them see who they were created to be, Lord, and let them walk, Lord, with you and see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless these people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.